This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, March 15th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. Has the Pentagon been insubordinate to this president, at least as far as he has attempted to de-escalate two wars the U.S. is now involved in? And is the Trump foreign policy too much or too little like that of Dick Cheney? Jim Antle is editor of the American Conservative magazine. We spoke this week. For people who uh, care about peace and want to have it around the world and want to maintain it and not throw a lot of uh, 18-year-old boys or drones at problems that are, by all rights, none of our business uh, in the United States, Um, it seems kind of galling to hear uh, former Vice President Cheney criticize the Trump administration for for over over matters of foreign policy. Well, and it's especially rich to hear Dick Cheney complaining that Donald Trump doesn't listen to the intelligence community enough, uh, doesn't agree with their assessments. And certainly uh, that has been a problem in some areas, but I think some of the biggest uh, abuses of intelligence that we, we've seen in recent years have, have been uh, some some things Dick Cheney mainstreamed about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, about the connections, but supposed connections between Saddam Hussein and the 9/11 terrorist attacks. But yeah, I, I think that it Dick Cheney criticizing Donald Trump, who I think has up to this point, if you if you cast aside his rhetoric and look only at what he's actually done, he's been a a less consistent and less enthusiastic hawk, but a hawk nonetheless for the most part. Now, he campaigned on winding down various wars in a smaller uh, military footprint in the Middle East, and it seems to some extent he's actually sort of trying to accomplish that with a drawdown in Afghanistan and a withdrawal from Syria. Uh, but he's not put in place a team of people who agree with him on those issues. Uh, they've s- succeeded in in slow walking and up to this point totally circumventing any kind of drawdown of the wars that Trump would actually like to end. And therefore, we've only really seen escalations of the various small presidential wars not sanctioned by Congress going on in Africa and elsewhere. Uh, and and we see the president uh, will probably veto a, a resolution to, to end U.S. involvement in the Saudi war in, in Yemen. So, uh, so far, I would argue that we see too much of a Dick Cheney foreign policy in this White House, but despite Trump campaigning on something very, very different. Yeah, if you look at uh, the the campaign trail and the transition, uh, it seemed that uh, Donald Trump, I mean, to the extent that he was consistent on uh, issues, was fairly consistent that that we were like Barack Obama before him, got involved right. in some stupid wars and was would seek to reduce U.S. involvement in them. So much so that when Tulsi Gabbard's name was thrown around for Secretary of State briefly, I thought that is reasonable. It was plausible. And it seemed like a decent choice uh, at the time. But of course, in, in as, you, as you note, the people that he has surrounded himself with uh, seem to be not of the same mind at all when it comes to matters of war. I mean, it's fairly standard when when uh, an administration of of a particular 
political party comes in to pick people from the previous uh, administration of that party, bump everybody up a level, uh, you know, get all the people who haven't aged out of government service and bring the band, have the band get back together, sing the greatest hits. The problem here was that Trump ran on a very different foreign policy than George W. Bush governed on. And so that the people who helped Bush implement uh, his foreign policy, which included the war in Iraq that Donald Trump said was a mistake, uh, including Afghanistan, which uh, Trump agreed with a lot of people has now gone on too long. Uh, those are not the people well suited to, to implement Trump's foreign policy for whatever reason, partly because I guess the, the talent pool, the non-neocon talent pool within the Republican Party, uh, that bench is not as deep as, as perhaps uh, it ought to be. Uh, but he, for whatever reason, he hasn't done that. And I think also because of his business background, he, he is used to the idea that, well, I'm the boss. I just tell you to do this stuff and your personal opinions don't matter. You're going to have to do what I say. Well, in in theory, the presidency presidency should work the same way, but in practice, it often doesn't. When you're dealing with permanent bureaucracies, when you're dealing with political appointees, when you're even when you're dealing with the Pentagon, uh, there are people who who behave independently and have a lot of latitude to uh, see how quickly uh, your po policy initiatives get implemented or whether they get implemented at all. This president has made no secret of the fact that he wanted to withdraw from Syria and draw down dramatically in Afghanistan. Uh, and yet, by the time he had gone public with this, which we assume was many months after he had informed the Pentagon to begin work on the right. project of of doing these, uh, taking these two actions, uh, that he then went public with his declaration that we are withdrawing from Syria. This is the timetable. And generals seem to be caught off guard, it seems, uh, at least uh, the way that they responded to it in the press. Yes. I, I mean, I, 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 I agree with the idea that you don't want to be doing foreign policy by tweet and that there are logistical concerns uh, to, to how you – would would carry out a withdrawal and you don't want to do these things badly because it will discredit uh, future attempts at retrenchment, which I think are badly needed. Uh, however, it, it's very clear that the president had been asking, had been going through at least to some extent the proper channels and had been largely deferential to his national security advisors and to the generals during his first two years in office. And I think Partly because of the loss in the midterm elections showing him that he doesn't have a lot to show for listening to all of these people and partly just because of his own growing frustration about being slow walked, he decided to take a different tack and go public and by going public, he, he hoped it would sort of force the hand uh, uh, hands of the people who are supposedly working for him and, and make them actually start to uh, pursue this policy. But what instead happened is that they all – given the fact that the, the, the media is so anti-Trump and that there's so much uh, of, of, a, of a desire to, for everyone to light their hair on fire anytime Trump does anything, they were able to play into that and say, oh, look at this crazy man who's, who's tweeting at us to, to you know, leave all our stuff behind to just run out of Syria tomorrow. You know, uh, on the Dick Cheney criticism of this administration not being, uh, I guess, muscular enough with right. respect to these foreign interventions, uh, Mike Pence, of course, you know, 
he seems to understand his role a little sure. more and to articulate the president's view. And as you note in a in a recent column, Pence said, when the American people elected this president, they elected a president who expressed concern about American deployments around the world. And they knew this was going to be a president that came and asked the fundamental questions about, you know, where are we deployed and do we really need to be asking men and women in uniform to be deployed in that part of the world? That seems to capture the median voter and then some, like in terms of, of messaging on the U.S. role in these foreign conflicts. Absolutely. And I think that's really even more than anything that has happened in practice. What concerns people like Dick Cheney is that even now among Republican voters, there is a lot of sentiment for reevaluating where we are militarily in the world. And Trump showed that you can win and you could win primaries in military-heavy states like South Carolina, saying that, that the Iraq war uh, was a disaster, saying that the George W. Bush foreign policy didn't really make the country safer, questioning whether we're actually getting anything in return for the investment of blood and treasure that we've made in our post-9-11 foreign policy. If you can win as a Republican saying those types of things and the Dick Cheney point of view no longer has this ironclad grip on Republican voters and policymakers, that's a pretty big threat to those who have uh, the Cheneyite view of the world. And it seems that at, at least to some extent, Democrats are willing to give the president, even those running for president themselves are willing to give this president at least a little bit of credit for right. attempting these drawdowns. Elizabeth Warren, Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, and others have said, yeah, well, we can't be doing this forever. Which has been very good because I think a lot of Democrats in Congress have taken on a – have sort of blundered into a more hawkish position on a lot of things just so they could be anti-Trump. I mean if you if you follow some of the things that they're saying about Russia uh, being like the 9-11 attacks or being like uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, uh, that that commits you to, to a very uh, hawkish position on Russia. Uh, I, I think they've – some Democrats have opportunistically criticized uh, Trump for wanting to get out of Syria, wanting to draw down in Afghanistan. But a number of the presidential candidates have really been principled on this or maybe they realize it's just good politics. If you're Elizabeth Warren, if you're Bernie Sanders, if you're Tulsi Gabbard, who obviously I think is a true believer on these things, uh, maybe Democratic voters really don't want to be in these places. They didn't want to go into many of these places in the first place. Uh, so simply taking the resistance position of we're going to try to thwart Trump on this uh, is not necessarily the smart political play. Uh, the Republican loyalist interventionists, uh, how different are they fundamentally from the liberal interventionists in, in terms of uh, being placed in high levels in government? And, and what would you say about deepening the bench of, of uh, you know, war critical uh, right. Republicans. Right. I mean, it was even a problem for Barack Obama, who, who in theory had many more uh, realist and less interventionist liberal academics and policymakers he could have drawn upon. Uh, but still, you ended up with, just as Trump has found, you end up with advisors who are, are always trying to talk you out of going into places, uh, leaving places and, and getting you to go into new places and bomb new places. Uh, it's even harder, I think, as a Republican because uh, just there, 
George H.W. Bush's administration was the last Republican White House where serious realists uh, had any foothold of the national security team. Those people, the Brent Scowcroft generation is really aging out of government service. So, uh, you know, it's tough. So I think that uh, partly you you have to look into academia. Partly you have to be open to doing things. If not, making somebody like Tulsi Gabbard uh, Secretary of State, certainly Jim Webb as Secretary of Defense would not be implausible. He has the resume to back it up. But I also think you can't look at his history and his record and say that he's not fundamentally serious about national security. Not somebody who he's not somebody who doesn't care about the military. Uh, he, he, he very much is interested in national defense, but, but aligns much more closely on where we should be in the world, uh, than, uh, Jim Mattis did. And, and, and certainly John Bolton did uh, when you're talking about his agreement with the president on these issues. So, you know, you, you just kind of have to, I think, look elsewhere other than the usual suspects. And I think it's been a big mistake of, of the Trump administration, one, to try to bring in so many people from the Bush administration, and two, I think, to judge people too much on the basis of how effective they are in television defending the president personally. Jim Antle is editor of The American Conservative. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.